so um, trying to find a way to begin. <laughs> um, I'd like to offer some reflections this evening on uh, teaching, um, which I seem to be moved to share a couple of times a year on average so far here. The five daily recollections are the five topics for frequent recollection. Maybe twice a year isn't too frequent. Uh, so, um, as always, I offer with the wish that this be of benefit and also with the sense of um, caution or sometimes I feel a sort of reluctance or a kind of fear of upsetting someone <laughs> talking about these things. So just acknowledging that and, and really acknowledging how in contemplating these things that these these uh, aspects of our mortality and of our attachments and of our karma that um, just to really encourage you again to listen in that grounded spacious way with a sense of allowing the sounds to arise and pass, allowing the meanings to you know, register however they do and feeling really free to notice the, um, yeah, notice, receive the teachings and really notice our reactions and responses if, if there are any. Um, I, um, yeah, seem to be cycling around different ways of beginning, but I've begun now, so just continue, right? Like we say for practice, <laughs> begin, keep going. Two instructions. Um, yeah, hmm. And I was, I think I was kind of tasting sense of, um, when I was sitting here just before we chanted and and then looking around at each person, which I love to do, and maybe reminded of that, uh, I think, I'm not sure if it was Thich Nhat Hanh or some great teacher would begin his talks by saying, um, by greeting, greeting everybody, saying, good evening, brothers and sisters in aging, sickness and death. So, you know, sort of looking around and feeling, you know, very much that sense of, that that um, preciousness and fragility and kind of you know this this very um, tenuous tenuous basis for our life, isn't it? Uh, moment to moment, and how sometimes in practice, in life, in retreat. You know, we can feel ourselves being more and less close to that, maybe more or less open to that. And I think that that's just natural. And maybe, you know, in a human being, it's like the one of the activities of delusion to, you know, we, we, we can't always be that close to reality or to the truth of things. You know, we have to gradually train and open and strengthen our capacity and I think so much of what the Buddha's teachings are for is to help us with that. Yeah, and the training, this 
gradual patient training to support us so we can um, grow in wisdom and compassion and the capacity to meet uh, all of life, the joys and the sorrows with, with a, you know, a sort of deepening, strengthening degree of clarity, of kindness, of steadiness. And in this sense of just, you know, being here together for this talk, this moment to moment, and the wind is blowing, and we're breathing in and out, and very thoughts and images and sensations are happening, and just, you know, how at times in our practice. You know, in our lives we can feel so in touch with that evanescence, you know, that fleeting, fluxing, kind of insubstantial nature of experience, you know, and how how in maybe subtle and less subtle ways things solidify and, and, and you know, sort of just, um, you know, we're not able to be in the flow of life. And I feel like, you know, if I look at my own experience, and I'm sure, you know, for all of us, all of us have encountered moments and times and situations with our own fragility or attachments or um, karmic repercussions that, you know, it's been really hard. It's been really hard to stay open and in the flow and and, and just things tighten up and and, and that, that just bearing with that, and, and there's a sort of some kind of natural, isn't there? Like, they give these very simple creatures who, you know, live in the sea, and you, they just, you know, they kind of, something is a little threatening, and they just kind of close up, and then they open again, and I think there's something in us which is very, you know, very like that. And so maybe the wisdom that the Buddha is encouraging us to learn, to reflect on, to to kind of weave into the fabric of our life, of our reflections, is to to help us bear with, with that, with that sort of natural, um, um, you know, kind of rhythm of the organism to sort of open to the pleasant and close against the unpleasant. It just it seems that feels so kind of basic to us, but... The Buddha, I guess, is, is 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 inviting us. I think actually there is a possibility of uh, being present with with life and death, and um, with deep understanding and deep steadiness, and um, I, I sometimes when I offer these reflections, I, you know, I I reflect that. Um, one of the things that got me into really reflecting on and practicing with this was a very difficult bereavement. You know, after, you know, one of those moments, after years of practice, you think, oh my goodness, you know, I am so thrown by this, I am so challenged by this, and, you know, the depth of grief and, and all of that, and very, uh, very difficult. And this sense of, Maybe there, there the, these these particular this particular practice maybe can help us uh, to be able to uh, um, 
Yeah, bring the wisdom and the compassion even in the midst of grief and what a beautiful thing that is when that's possible for us and for others. And and one thing I wanted to say, like I was really thinking about how other people that I've known, probably you have many people like this, people in sickness or with aging or with death who have been so so inspiring with the, just the dignity and the courage and the just bearing with that that um is so be- is so sort of showing us what's possible for a human being and encouraging us maybe we can practice in a way that will enable us to to meet these challenges with the same kind of or a different kind of grace because we're all different suddenly comes to mind uh, um, I think it was Oscar Wilde's last words he was sadly dying in a very very sort of poor place in kind of bedsit in London I think and and uh, he's said to have turned his face to the wall and there was this garish sort of wallpaper on the wall and he's said to have said, well, one of us has got to go. <laughs> I mean, what, what grace, you know. May we, you know, I mean, I'm not sure I could aspire that far to maintain my sense of humor even at that point of extremity. But how wonderful. You know, and I'm also reminded how one teacher, I think it might even be Pema Chodron, even described... She's different ways of describing metta. And, and she, one way she described it was as a, let me, an unconditional sense of humor. Seems relevant somehow. <laughs> yeah. And I also wanted to share, well, if I'm doing this all in a different order than I thought, but hopefully that's going to work. Um, people who inspire us and encourage us you know, and probably you have many people in your life. I was thinking of one, my beloved foster mum, who was um, the woman who was who mostly brought me up until I was 12. And in her old age, um, she became, you know, quite frail and very limited. And she had been a great walker. Had taught me to love walking, going for walks, and she got to the point where she couldn't walk anymore, you know, really very much at all. And so she was in a wheel, she had to be in a wheelchair and I would go and visit her in the care home she was in. And I, we would get her into the wheelchair, which was a whole thing. And it's, you know, ages and this whole big palaver. And then I would wheel, wheel her out and we would go down into the town, and this was the town where I had grown grown up with her, and we had walked around it in my childhood, you know, shopping and all of that. So it was lovely, so I I could get to sort of wheel her around, and she just wanted to see the shops and, you know, just sort of check everybody out and see what was going on. And the, and the, and the older I get, I think, maybe I don't know if this has happened for you, the more in awe I am of that degree of, of dignity and, you know, calmness and steadiness with, with that decline. I, I think I was young and then I hit 50 and now I'm old. 
you know it's like i i don't think i mean yeah so i know it's different for different people but um so so the sense of her teaching to me is becoming more even more poignant and clear as the older i get and how grumpy i get when i feel like you know my back's going you know knees are going (laughs) and and hmm the amount of dignity and non-complaining that she managed to like becomes more and more impressive (laughs) as i get older yeah hmm. uh and and you know another teaching in that which was when I would be I was pushing her back up the hill so you go down the hill and then back up the hill into the town um, into where she was so you, I'd be pushing this up this blooming steep hill you know walking and just having that sense of appreciation for the fact that I could walk that I could put one foot in front of the other. You, you, maybe you've had this experience where you, somehow the being with someone who, you know, that's more limited for them now, it's just like, wow, just really. So so life is, a, life is a great teacher, isn't it? And I guess my hope is that these reflections, on, um, which I'll go to in a bit more detail, you know, on aging and sickness and death and loss and uh, a- action, intentional importance of intentional, uh, our intentions in the present, you know, that, that this can strengthen and deepen our, not, not just our capacity to meet these events, but somehow also point us towards the Dharma, towards the deathless. No, the more we can open to and sense the, the truth of, of that of that bodily predicament, the the then some somehow I yeah, I'll say a bit more about that. So that that can yeah, kind of perhaps point us as it did for the Buddha. You probably all know that story of the four heavenly messengers. I'll just mention it. That sense of his uh, as a young as a young man before he set off on his journey, you know, from a very very sheltered life, from a very you know very sheltered existence, suddenly seeing seeing, you know, you can have that sense of that just profound shock of seeing a person, an aged aged person, and a a very, very sick person and a, a dead body. And then uh, a samana, a wandering, a wandering monastic or ascetic or a samana, a person who has gone forth and how his heart just, just, yeah, just moved towards that, just, very naturally. Hmm. So, um, let's see. This is not going according to how I planned, but there we are. That's life, right? Your retreat is what happens when you were making other plans, yeah.
Um, let's see. Hmm. I th- yeah, I think I want to share, I want to go on to share these. A few are like sharing different versions of these five daily recollections. Um, because as some of you will also have heard before, I first met them actually here at the Forest Refuge many, many moons ago in 2005 when I was here on retreat. And um, on the notice board, they were on the notice board in those days. <laughs> and it said, and I, I, yeah, it was my first time here and I'd been on a retreat, the retreats, and I came up here to do work retreat. And as you know, you would do wandering around kind of, getting to know the place, reading the notice board, which is, you know, full of fascinating information. (laughs) And um, so this was on there. It said, I am of the nature to grow old. I am of the nature to get ill. I am of the nature to die. All that is dear to me will change and vanish. I am the owner of my karma. So just notice your own reactions on hearing that. You know, I, I, it's kind of amazing to think about it, you know. I just looked at it and I thought, oh, and then I just, <laughs> that was the end of it. I was like, why did he put that there? What was that, you know, so I just, <laughs> just, yeah, so when I, after my difficult bereavement, and I sort of say, okay, you know, let's, let's look at this. And um, I've, I'm a great, I, I, I really believe in the efficacy and the helpfulness of amateur translation. I'll probably get in trouble with some scholarly types um, of uh, rendering the teachings in translating them, as, as uh, my teacher Stephen Bachelor says, into the language of feeling or the language of the heart, which of course is a, is a little different for each of us. And um, so I want to share, and just if you, you hear that maybe the different resonance and, and sometimes maybe, you know, I feel like this more blunt kind of direct approach is, I'm much more ready for it now than I was. <laughs> so when I was practicing with this years ago, I spent about three months, not on retreat, but anyway, you know, really, really practicing this and getting incredibly frustrated. And there's this image of me walking around going, I am of the nature to grow old, like this. You know. I have the nature to get ill, you know, like, get it, come on, Caroline, you know. It's not going in, come on. It wasn't working, you know, and uh, so in the way of things, I, I started to think, you know, okay, how can I make this more palatable? Right. So this is what I came up with, and I will put these on the board, and I would really encourage you to create your own if you if you feel like it. Um, with the hope that this is not, um, if, if you're a scholar and you can come and argue with me about this being inaccurate, feel welcome. Um, but I hope that just pragmatically that the helpfulness of it can, can bring in some of that wisdom, can 
can um, can nurture this kind of wise perspective. So this is this is what I came up with. Breathing gently, I lovingly remember this body is aging. Breathing gently, I lovingly remember this body is vulnerable to illness. Breathing gently, I lovingly remember this body will die. Breathing gently, I lovingly remember that loss is part of life. Breathing gently, I lovingly remember to meet this moment with wisdom. So for me that's been helpful and it's it's part of it is I think, I don't know if I said this at the beginning, the sense of the loving, compassionate motivation of the Buddha, you know, to, to teach us that this, this, this is not to depress us or upset us or it's to, it's actually to help to, to support us in, um, yeah, living well and in, in finding peace and freedom. I find that very important, somehow part of it. And the sense of breathing gently, for me it's kind of a, okay, let me, let me just be reflecting on this in-breath, out-breath. This is not meant to be a papancha fest. You know, it's like, you know, maybe some of that more extended reflection is helpful sometimes, but for me it's more like, like with meta practice or that sense of offering the phrase, offering the words, and it's it's like a kind of just in in a momentary offering a message to the heart and like encouraging the heart to listen, right? Rather than the brain to argue. And then there's a sense of somehow then we can include the emotional territories, the the feelings, the resistances, the the grief, the sorrow, the I'm not interested or not today or <laughs> just as we do with any practice, you know, the the, 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 the the hindrances showing up, of course. But with this emphasis on gentleness and loving that the wisdom is then somehow maybe the way metta can just soften, doesn't open the heart and allow it to hear in a in a in a way which is received as as yeah as caring as caring. I also wanted to say that for me it felt important, although that to to drop the I am. Although I can see the the, the helpfulness of that too, um, so this body is aging, yeah, rather than my body, and that for me that part of what that does is it includes you, includes you know this body, this body, this body, hey, this body. So to me, then that's so much more. Um, oh. You know, 
helps to maybe break down that sense of 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 you know me and my predicament it's like this this body and and you know that that can i mean sometimes maybe you do this like i bring it into when i'm around people that sense of 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 the fragility the mortality the the yeah the 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 vulnerability of of each being um that that can like to me i know it, it that the main sort of focus of this teaching is on you know i on and and um but i think it's very very useful to sort of include others um let's see hmm so how as one teacher wonderful ajahn lee said aging illness and death are treasures for those who understand them they're noble truths noble treasures if they were people i'd bow down to their feet every day i mean that's so how maybe part of these reflections is like trying to open up how how can these reflections maybe be part of what helps helps these truths of life to become treasures you know noble ennobling truths ennobling treasures you know our our true teachers you know it's very um it's very beautiful so you know i've already maybe touched on some of the ways of translating and reflecting and 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 one of the ways the buddha speaks about this it's in the anguttara nikaya the numerical discourses a book of the fives um he 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 and maybe this for some people this is very helpful to see them each of these um recollections as the correction of a misperception yeah so this is this is this is what he was trying to address and and this sort of very human thing isn't it he must i mean yeah that's a tendency of tendencies to misperceive to misperceive the way things are yes not so much of what we're doing you know our practice is waking up to that so many different ways subtle ways and this is one of them and i did want to i hope this works as a little link to last week no um tuesday and i i know um when he was talking about anatta or anatta how you say it again apologies to the scholars So I I wanted to share this uh quote I shared in the hall a few weeks ago for those of you who are, who are here which seems very kin- this kind of r- a nice connection between to between that theme like the the correction of a misperception of seeing of you know sort of ownership and control and of, of around around the the experience of the of the body So um this is um this is from the majjhima nikaya 22 uh and i'm going to change one word for reasons of in- inclusivity 
Practitioners, what do you think? If a person were to carry off or burn or do as he likes with the grass, twigs, branches, and leaves here and leaves here in Jetta's Grove, would the thought occur to you, it is us that this person is carrying off, burning, or doing as they like with? No, venerable sir. Why is that? Because those things are not our self, nor do they belong to ourself. Just so, practitioners. Whatever is yours, sorry, whatever is not yours, let go of it. Your letting go of it will lead to your welfare and happiness for a long time. And what is not yours? Form is not yours. Vedana is not yours. Perception, mental formations and consciousness, not yours. Let go of it. Your letting go of it will lead to your welfare and happiness for a long time. So I thought just to pick up on that as a how it might be we can maybe, you know, seeing seeing this body like that, it's twigs and stones and bits and pieces, you know, that's that's in the mindfulness discourse, isn't it? Just the the way of I mean the yeah I, I, f- I can feel it's like it doesn't it feel almost both why almost impossible and yet we sense when we can do that or if we if we can there's so much there's so much freedom there's so much sense of of possibility these days for me when I contemplate that it's like even the possibility of being able to see one's one's own body in that way yeah even for even for for a few moments hmm. so we can creatively engage we can maybe we can translate we can experiment find different ways. I just recently heard a, 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 a practice which I really, I really liked. I thought that if this is from, um, this was from somebody who was recently on a, an insight dialogue retreat with Greg Kramer. And if we were in a different situation, we might do this as a dialogue in pairs. So you might sit with a friend, maybe sometime um, when you're not here, you know, and I thought these were really beautiful questions, question, very simple way of maybe then we would share with each other about about what will come to mind. Um, so the question, just a couple of examples. The first one, how is aging showing up in my life at present? Yeah. How is aging showing up in my life at present? So, yeah, just you might want to, I found that very helpful. It seemed to, and I spent some time with it, it seemed to open up a lot about different noticings and things in my life and things in other people's lives. And um, that sense of opening to the presence of that, 
that's is happening all the time. Yeah. So it's, it feels like an inquiry you could always ask, you know, it's always relevant, but somehow kind of opening that up. And and the similar question maybe with, with the other ones. How is sickness showing up in my life at present? Same. Kind of, I, I like that, that using questions, it kind of opens some space. You know, some of this feels like it's a lot of statements, isn't it? And that has its own value. But something about questions that can really, ah, sort of, yeah, open space for reflection to come in a more perhaps kind of organic way, natural way. Um, yeah, so many treasures here I want to share with you, but uh, maybe just a little bit more. I um, I I was listening to um, also the some Ayakema taught a lot on these um, recollections, and I I was listening to a talk, and I just wanted to share with you some of her voice a very unique voice and her again very direct to me rather yeah it's very anyway see see how again a lot of this is maybe just noticing that what lands and what resonates and yeah so I am of the nature to decay I have not got beyond decay Look at that and see whether it's a true statement. I always feel like saying, you know, like the Buddha did. So, because is it true or not true? <laughs> true, venerable, so. And if you think it's a true statement, have you actually noticed it in yourself? And if you have noticed, what kind of reactions have you had? One of dislike, rejection, trying to forget it, trying to counteract it. Yes, tick, 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 yes. Thinking that it is something that is unpleasant, tick. Or, or have you seen it as the underlying truth of everything that has life? Maybe sometimes. So you can hear it's a different approach here. It's kind of, yeah, different, but really helpful in a different way. Just one more. I won't go through all of hers, these, but just one more. I am of the nature to be diseased. Diseased. I have not got beyond disease. Again, it's necessary to inquire if this is a true statement. Have we had disease, unpleasantness in the body, major or minor? Is it with us now? Can we expect it again? And if so, what does that tell us about our presumed ownership of the body? Mm. So... There's that kind of anatta kind of challenge or pointing.
So I hope this is, um, yeah, kind of opening some, some different possibilities with this. And I think it's also really helpful to um, to feel and recognize and know the uh, the the helpful different helpful effects of this in an imme- in an immediate way and an ongoing way you know to notice that like what does it feel like i i i i think that sense of when we when we're aligned with the truth of things there's a kind of easing there's a kind of something in us breathing a sigh of relief that perhaps a little less of our energy has to go into denial has to go into kind of fear and be kind of caught up with that and um yeah another book that's in the library on this topic by larry rosenberg he talks he touches it a lot in the book about fear and about how this practice can help with our fear around these topics. Um, So he says, many of us are carrying around a great deal of unacknowledged fear on the subject of death. And like any other fear, it weighs us down. This practice flushes out fear. See that it is impermanent and not self. Confidence comes from seeing that fear is workable. Confidence comes from seeing that fear is workable. So um, maybe just a couple more things I, I wanted to share with you. I haven't already, no, I'm almost losing my marbles. I don't think I've said this already this evening. Gosh. It was supposed to come under the inspiring people section, but I don't think I, I don't think I remembered. Itzhak Perlman. I didn't say it, did I? This, this great, great violinist, I... Um, I, I, I don't know where I found it, but um, it was a story about um, something that happened during a concert he was giving and something he said. And it made such an impression on me and I think it's, it's relevant to our topic. So Itzhak Perlman, you may well know, um, um, uh, um, got polio when he was four years old. And the result of that was that he um, has spent the rest of his life walking with um, uh, leg supports and um, walking walking stick supports. And um, so there was one concert where he was, so I'm hoping I'm remembering it accurately, he, he, he was walking on and it always took him a long time, you know, because he had this impediment and... So he finally, 
you know, got to his chair for the violin, you know, it was concerto or something, so he was the violinist for that. And I think he, he sat down um, to to get ready to play, and as he picked up his violin, uh, one of the four strings broke. So he had three strings, and he played the whole piece of music with three strings. I just... I just really, I just find that in, just amazing, amazingly inspiring. And apparently it was flawless, <laughs> it was flawless to maybe not to every ear. But this is what he said about this afterwards. You know, sometimes it is the artist's task to find out how much music you can still make with what you've got left. Yeah. yeah. Maybe it touches me, I don't know if it touches you that that's, isn't that so much, so often what we feel like? We feel like we're only playing with three strings <laughs> in different ways, maybe physically, mentally, emotionally. You know, the different, the different ways in which we are impeded, I know, culturally, structurally, in our in our backgrounds, in our through all kinds of ways that we we are impeded. And perhaps we can really feel we can really recognize in ourselves a great artist who can make you know great beauty with three strings i'll just read it again you know sometimes it is the artist's task to find out how much music you can still make with what you have left. So, I think I'll stop there. So, thank you for your attention. Thank you for your practice. Um, May we all find peace in this very life. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.